Welcome to Wolf's Watch. Today we have Dennis Mellon with him. He is a speaker, a leadership consultant, and best-selling author. He is also a recognized authority on leadership as a retired Air Force lieutenant colonel and a 20-year airline fleet captain in charge of 555 pilots, 550 pilots. Dennis's years of experience bring education, inspiration, and entertainment to a variety of audiences through his positive leadership training. You may have caught him on ABC, NBC, CBS podcasts and radio shows. He speaks a lot. Uh, he recently spoke on stage at the United States Air Force Academy with four-time Olympian luge competitor Ruben Gonzalez and in, Rapid, in Grand Rapids at the Leading Voices Summit. Please welcome Dennis Mellon. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity. It is. And I know I'm, I'm, I caught you off guard there a little bit because on Wolf's Watch, I always go by Wolf, which is my nickname. It plays yeah. off of my last name. And as you're watching this, Dennis and I have had a chance to, to talk with each other. We were at, a, uh, at an event a few weeks ago and resulted in an opportunity to invite him onto the show. And you're in for a treat. Make sure you've got something to write with because here's someone that has had two careers in high-level leadership positions. So there's gonna I got, I got something to take notes with. You should, too. Uh, speaking of which, Dennis, you, thank you for your service. Well, I appreciate the uh, compliment. Yeah, twenty years in the Air Force is uh, that's that's a long time. So you were a career Air Force officer, lieutenant colonel, which is a great achievement in its own right. And then you went on to a second career uh, in commercial airline with commercial airlines and training pilots. Uh, can can you? How did you? How did you make that transition and what got you, what attracted you to the Air Force and how did you make the transition to uh, civilian leadership? Well, it kind of goes back to when I was uh, 10 years old at my father's Air Force base, sitting at the end of a runway when this uh, F-4 Phantom comes screaming by in full afterburner. I, you know, you, you could feel it throbbing in your, in your uh, lungs as it went by. And I'm pumping my fist, looking at my dad going, yeah, dad, that's what I want to do when I grow up. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> course my wife says i haven't reached that point yet but uh that's another discussion <laughs> we age but we don't have to grow up that's right there's still a yeah. 17 year old trapped in this body that's right that's but, right uh, that uh, uh got me started I, I went to the air force academy thinking well it's probably the cheapest way to become a professional pilot and uh so i went uh there went to pilot training started flying with the uh air force at about the Six-year point, I uh, started thinking, you know, I can do the same thing in the Air Force Reserves and fly for a commercial airline. And I got hired by Alaska Airlines, and I guess the rest is history, right? <laughs> yes, and because uh, Alaska Airlines, that's a great organization as well. Yeah, it is. It's a uh, little-known fact, but uh, it's the fifth-largest air carrier in the United oh, really? States right now, yeah. Wow, I didn't realize they were. I, I knew they were very substantial, but not fifth largest. Holy cow! Yeah, now, was was it a big transition from leading in in a military role to uh, leading in the in the civilian world? You know, surprisingly, surprisingly, there's uh, a lot of commonality between training programs okay. and and the and the structure of uh, who's in charge and and, and uh, you know the captain of a flight is in charge when it's in the air. There's not uh, much uh, doubt about that. Uh, what what happens up there in the uh, flight deck with the captain and the uh, first officer? Uh, the captain rules. You know, uh, it's like the captain of a ship. 
uh, ruling mm -hmm. uh, his his situation or her situation on the ship. So well, yeah, which we really yeah. in the civilian world we've we've borrowed a lot of of what we've what we do from a leadership perspective, particularly with with flights in in with ships from the military. Well, it's it's amazing. We still uh, use a lot of the same terms. Even between the Navy and the Air Force, there's a lot of the same terms. But, uh, uh, I, I, you know, there's a lot of commonality between it. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was seamless, but it certainly uh, it wasn't a quantum jump either. So Good. Good. Because sometimes that can be um, <clears throat> there, there can be a challenge because depending on on where people are, what part of the civilian world people are moving into, it's a hot mess compared to how the military is structured and in, in the way things are done. And there's a lot of differences in expectations at times. Well, I'm also finding that a lot of the companies that I'm working with uh, prefer to hire somebody that has a military background because they mm -hmm. know uh, that there's going to be some sort of structure, some sort of standardization, uh, uh, some, some uh, discipline, if you will. Uh, a lot of times yes. people, uh, they don't have that background, they can get it equally uh, to the same level as everyone else. But there's a um, uh, there's a learning curve or a um, uh, university of hard knocks, life happens, university type thing, you know, where you learn your lessons the hard way. Seems like I learned a lot of my lessons the hard way, too. But uh, that's beside the point, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, me too. And, and I should be a lot smarter given some of the experiences in Knox that I've had. But that's several shows all on its own, if we could dive into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wanted, wanted to ask also, in terms of, of leadership development, it seems that the military is, is much better organized, does a much uh, consistently does a much better job at developing leaders than than this than the civilian, particularly in the in the business world. Well, there's you know there's a lot of uh, businesses that have quite substantial professional development programs that they're mm -hmm. using, um, and they you know vary them to to fit the circumstances. If you're not growing, if you're not, I I, I have always figured I'm never going to be a ten on the leadership scale, but in the pursuit of a ten maybe I'll achieve excellence in there somewhere. And that's kind of a paraphrase of a Vince Lombardi quote, but uh, I like to use it that way because yeah. um, you should never stop in trying to improve your leadership. Engaged employees are so important, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the leadership, the leadership you provide is the single biggest input to the culture and whether you're going to have, you know, that elite performance that we're always looking for. Mm -hmm. and, and, and yet, at the time that we need it most, uh, it seems that employee engagement is at an all-time low or close to it. Yeah, I think part of it or most of it has been the, the pandemic and how mm -hmm. we've uh, become disassociated. I don't know about you. Uh, when the pandemic started, so much of my work is face-to-face -face live. And um, Zoom just wasn't an adequate uh replacement for yes. it. I'm a, yes. I'm a fist bumper, handshaker and, uh, and a hugger. And, uh, that just, you know, that just doesn't make the connection on zoom that it does in person. So we lost out on a mm -hmm. lot during that time. And I think people became disengaged. Uh, and we saw this with the current vote in vogue terms of great resignation and quiet quitting mm -hmm. and things like that. Not that those haven't been problems in the past, 
but I don't think it's been to the degree that we've been working with lately. You know, on quiet quitting, I've I've got a question and and let me give you some context first. It was at an event last weekend, a live event. And uh, I was with one of my mentors and another gentleman that's been very successful in business. And we were having a conversation about that, you know, about the, the, the great resignation and then the quiet quitting and the, the challenges from a business standpoint, because they both run, uh, ver- you know, substantial uh, mid-sized businesses. And the, the mentor that I referenced, he, he's a um, he was a uh, Army Ranger, a team leader. And I, I shot back a challenge question as I go, well, you know, specifically on the on the quiet quitting. Isn't that our fault as leaders for not having the, the work standards set if it's hurting our companies? isn't it our fault for not having the work standards set at a level where if people are doing the minimum that we're asking them to, we are still doing well as a business. Yeah. I don't it, think it wasn't a like, popular question. And, and I don't <laughs> like doing that because he's six, four and he has me standing tall a lot. With yeah. Him. But I think but, it goes beyond um, the standardization. That's kind of the old mm-hmm. style leadership where we insist that you behave this way, perform this way, meet this uh, sales goal, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think what, is incumbent on a, a good leader or someone that's approaching good leadership is to inspire and to give purpose. If I can connect you with the company's purpose or the, even on a project team, the, the project's purpose, and you can see where it fits into your own goals and your own purpose, then I've, then I've, uh, we, we might be able to get that elite performance that we're all striving for. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, an important uh, facet of uh of uh leadership well and it sounds like everybody's capable when you know elite performance elite leadership levels to me that's implies there's a lot more that people can do if if we believe in them and allow them to do yeah i think i think you're right on that one of the things that i see uh in a lot of companies is i become a subject matter expert on aviation or on um uh, you know how to how to uh, build this widget on the assembly line, and people tend to think, okay, we've got a leadership position, we've got a management position that's opened up. Let's put this guy or this girl into that position, but it's a different skill set. Leadership doesn't. You should have some uh, modicum of uh, of uh, subject matter expertise, whatever uh, industry you're working in. But uh, you need to learn how to be a leader. And I think the, the, the leadership portion of it uh, starts really in the onboarding process uh, when you started a company because you're getting mm. the, the culture and the flavor of the company and you're starting to connect it with your own purpose. And it, if it, you that's... have purpose, you know, th- then... Um, I'm sorry. I, I need to, I, I want to interrupt for, and I apologize for that because okay. you mentioned onboarding and that that's a topic that always gets me going because so many companies have little or no real onboarding process. Well, and yeah, then, my wife, you look at it and go, well, well, no wonder you're having challenges with people knowing yeah. what to do and how to do you know, the companies I worked for before I went in the business for myself of all the companies I worked for, Fortunately, the first company out of college really had a strong onboarding process. I, had, I was fortunate to go to work for Hughes Aircraft 
which dates me a little bit. But <laughs> other than that, all, you know, all the other companies, they really is like, okay, here you go. You know, man, you know, uh, policy and procedure manuals over there. I mean, nobody really looks at that. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you know, which we here's here's what we need you to achieve. You know, we'll talk to you in a, in a week. Yeah. It's like, really? Well, my wife started a brand new job during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically her onboarding process was to look at these uh, videos on Zoom and then come to work and try and apply it. Uh, I think uh, what was missing was probably some, uh, the, well, the whole teaching gamut where you, you introduce a subject, then you show it, then you allow them to experience it, then you allow them to work on their own. I, mm -hmm. I, I think... Uh, that's part of the onboarding process. And I, I like to think of it as really, I go a step further. I really think that on, onboarding and that leadership process starts in the interview because you're already weeding people out. Yeah. And, uh, yes. and, 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 you know, you, 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 you've got, you've got to hire for uh, that next level performance that you're looking for. In our companies getting better or at least paying more attention to that part of it, you know, the, that initial screening to make sure that they you know, at least have clarity on what's really needed for the, the an example. The last time I was involved in hiring someone, we got 3000 resumes. Human resources honed that down to 300. We found 25 that were actually related to what we were looking for. We interviewed 13, I want to say 13, 14 people. And we left the position open for another nine months because we just didn't, it was a critical, uh, strategically critical. And we're going, you know what, it's going to do more harm to fill this with the wrong person um, than, than to wait yeah. until we find that, that person. I wish it would, uh, I wish it could get uh, easier, but it is a, an important process and you don't want to just fill the position. They've yeah. gone to, well, because we have computers now, um, mm -hmm. there's, there, there's, uh, massive amounts of applications that are just sent out randomly. And, uh, but on the mm. other side, they've got computer software that will scan for keywords where you can weed out some of them. If you don't mention um, uh, uh, co commercial pilot, then, you know, you're going to put not even be put in the pile from the mm -hmm. computer scan. And then when you, when you finally interview, um, unless you're desperate, you really need to uh, make sure that you're getting the quality employee that you're uh, that you're looking for, and don't short circuit the uh, interview process because it's it, uh, after sitting through literally hundreds of thousands of pilot interviews, uh, weeding out became fairly easy as long as we put the effort in during the interview and the uh, uh, post interview, and in particular. Mm -hmm. Uh, when they're in the waiting room with the receptionist, what was the reaction? We we just sent, sent them packing because of the yeah. things that they were. I mean, it was so bad one time the guy was hitting on the receptionist. You know, <laughs> so oh my gosh, yeah, not, so not a that good was start. A automatic, you know, you're out of here. You know, well, I, I interviewed a uh, a gentleman who owned ten restaurants, and one of the things that they did in there, they had, they had a very innovative. Uh, interview process that, that to really because they were more worried about fit within yeah. with the, within the team and one of the things that they would do is they would gre they'd greet them at you know like the hostess normally would when you walk into a restaurant 
and they would always leave a, uh, a napkin on the floor between where they greeted them and where they were walking them to, to the room for the interview. Oh yeah. And if that person didn't stop and pick up the napkin, then they're going, okay, we're done. Yeah. You know, they'd, they'd have, they'd still go through the interview. It'd just be a really, a very brief and polite interview. Okay. You know, thank you. Because yeah, they, he goes, look, you go, I want people that are obsessive about customer service and about things being just so for the customer experience. And if they're not yeah. paying attention to that, they're not yeah. going to be a good fit. Absolutely. And there, there's a good, um, video on uh, online showing uh, Dak uh, Prescott, the quarterback for uh, Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Primo guy, uh, by the way. But uh, And, and to all of my Rams fans, friends, go Cowboys. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to say that. That's okay. Shameless plug, plug right? But uh, <laughs> it, the video shows him literally flipping um, a plastic water bottle into a trash can, and it hits wow. and falls off to the side. Well, mm-hmm. here's this guy that's making millions star quarterback he gets up picks uh you know it could have been left there somebody would have picked it up eventually but no he attention to detail yeah. he went over there he picked it up himself and put it in there and then sat back got the uh, ipad started looking at the what what the mm-hmm. last plays were and where the where the secondary was and all, all those things but uh it was pretty impressive really yeah but i i, I interviewed a, a retired navy seal uh dom razo uh, a few years ago and one of the comments that he made stuck with me you know, he said you know i never want to be because i never i never want to be the guy that's become so big that i can't sweep the floor with everybody else right yeah and it's like yeah there you know there it is yeah that that um part of the 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 humility uh, factor that goes into what John Jim Collins called level five leadership is right, right, a great yeah. book. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, and it's leadership by example, prim, prim, mm. uh, prime yes. uh, way of showing it, you know, a great, great way of showing that you're part of the team too, you know, I'm not above this. And I think that's why companies have gone away from uh, executive bathrooms and parking places and things like that, you know, uh, because, mm-hmm. uh, it, you, you know, as a leader, you're no longer in that elite class. You're the servant leader. You know, it's, I don't know your job completely, uh, Jeff, but, but, um, I can help you as a leader. What, what, are, what resources are you, do you need? What mm-hmm. are you missing? What's, what can I do to make mm. the job easier? And have I made a connection with you? Only when I've made that connection can I get that trust and, and get that commitment back from you, you know. And it's a different, different ball game uh, uh, nowadays. You 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 really need to uh, pay attention to those employees and those team members. Yeah, very different from the perspective, the perception of well, leadership is about you know issuing orders from on high. Yeah, and and it goes beyond that too. Just showing gratitude. I I used to have an admin. Oh, um, okay. That we used to walk. Uh, I used to walk by her desk and we had this whole routine where we did the name game. I'd go by, I go, Tina, Tina, Bobina, banana, you know, and she would echo it back, <laughs> not even look back from her, her work. And she'd go, Denny, it. Denny, Bobinny, you know, and then uh-huh. we just, that was our greeting. And it really, it's, Hey, I see you working hard. I don't want to interrupt you, but I do want to, I do want to mm-hmm. greet you and, and appreciate what you're doing. It was, well, it was great, uh, great way to show gratitude. And what you mentioned earlier about still being a 17 year old in some ways, you know, feeling yeah, like it, yeah. it's bringing, it's keeping that playfulness 
that kid-like playfulness yeah. in in what we're doing, which is golden. Yeah, it's go, it goes to the to how do I create that atmosphere where mm-hmm. the employee says to himself, "Hey, I get to go to work today instead of I have to go to work," or "Oh man, it's Monday, I can't wait for Friday." You know, um, it, it it's a uh, it's it's important to create that atmosphere of that culture like that where it's fun, you know. Yes, yes. It, and it seems, um, wow, I have like three different questions and I need to sort <laughs> which one's going to be the yeah. most appropriate. Um, let, let me start with this. And this. This is jumping around a little bit because you you rose to high levels of leadership in the, in the Air Force, did the same in the airline industry. Did your pers- did, did how you think about your role change as as your you know like ha- having five hundred and fifty pilots that you're responsible for, for example, in well, the airline industry? Did, did did your perspective change or how you viewed your role change? Yeah, it it really did because um, I've never you know you, of course everyone ba- battles that imposter syndrome and you have to get over that. But once you once you kind of get the flavor of what your of what your job is and you've made those relationships made those connections um then it uh becomes easier you don't have you know it's not like like uh, you and i are attacking a machine gun nest you know where i have to bark orders out and you just have to obey sure. them in the instant but occasionally something might come up like that but well and, that, and that's a good i want to pull that thread real quick too you know, it's like when, when you're attacking a machine gun nest or if the building's on fire, right. that's a time for command command and control leadership. Right. It's like, exactly. we, we need to not think about it. Everybody to the level that they know what to do, that's what's going to, you know, that's going to, going to fall back on their habit. This is what needs to happen without right. thinking about it, as opposed to most of the time, we don't necessarily need that, that level, but it, it but command and control has its place. It's just right. making sure it's the right context. Yeah. Situational leadership. You know, you got to read the situation. situation. Yes. Um, there's a great story about a uh, Medal of Honor winner from the Vietnam War had his uh, team up uh, at some fire base up in the North area. And they came under attack, a five or six hour attack, uh, where he was wounded several times and he was helping each one of the gun emplacements, mortar emplacements, uh, he ended up getting the Medal of Honor. But what I found interesting in the story is when he got uh, to the presentation where he got uh, was allowed to speak, he started talking about the uh, gratitude he had for the rest of his team. And, and he made it a point to say, during that entire six-hour battle, I never issued one order, which to me implied wow. implied, I've trained them so well that we just know what needs to be done in this situation mm. or in all the, at, at all the gun mortar emplacements, they knew exactly what they needed, when they needed it and what to do. No orders. And I thought, wow, what a perfect example of how to operate under, under duress yet never having to tell anybody anything. It's more of, you know, Jeff, what do you need? What can yeah. I get you? You know, or, yeah. Uh, in this case, drag wounds, wounded around and, and uh, bring more ammunition and things like that. But that, I thought that was a, uh, um, a, a, a really clear moment for me of situational leadership and how you develop it to that point. I think we should all aspire to that. Yes. Well, and, and the power of preparedness. Right. 
which, which I think you know, I've seen organizations that, that are struggling and the, the time and resources that would go into preparing the, the staff right. is easy to, to zero out in order to get a short-term cost savings. Right. And, um, you know, uh, creating that, um, that atmosphere, that speak up culture where anybody in the team has, can speak up without fear of uh, retribution or shame. You know, you mm-hmm. hold those uh, positive, purposeful, productive conversations that lead to the innovation, that lead to new ideas, that lead to elite performance that I referred to earlier. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, because we had uh, one organization that I did some work with, uh, one of their mid-level managers that we were having a discussion about, you know, pulling ideas out for improvements in what they're doing. It's a large organization, so even in, even in a mid-level management, we could be considered mid-level, it still had, you know, 175 to 125 people reporting to them. And the response was was just like, no, nah, you know, you know what, we're going to get so many ideas that we can't use, it's just not worth it, because we're going to get bombarded. I'm like... What about those one or two pieces of gold that are going to make all the difference? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And and, and the other th- uh, thing that uh, that I've that I've seen lately that's working pretty good with uh, companies is, uh, you know, in the Air Force or even in Navy, we had uh, exercises where we had uh, an enemy force, a red team. You know, if you're uh, if you have uh, topics or problems that need to be uh, fixed, one way of uh, helping you is creating that red team that is the adversarial or the adversary for whatever uh, is being proposed to shoot holes in it. You've empowered them to, to, um, to speak up and to speak negative about things because they're on the red team, you know, we need, we're, and this is going to make us better. That's exactly what happens in uh, uh, Top Gun and 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 in uh, the Air Force Red Flag exercises. Is we get better because we have a very competitive adversary in 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 the, in the uh, uh, exercise that we're doing. But think mm-hmm. of it as it carries over into the into a boardroom or into uh, uh, a team project. Matt uh, or um. um Dennis, you're assigned to be the red team. Shoot holes in every idea, but make them, mm-hmm. you know, make them clear, concise, right. and purposeful uh, 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 looks at, at what we're trying to do. And does that help build a culture of, of uh, or build more um, situational awareness and more thinking about the context, bigger context of, yeah, of it what also people are doing? Empowers, in- it also empowers those quiet people on your team. Because they might, yeah. you know, after after weeks of not saying anything, uh, they because they're intimidated or because they're um, uh, they've got issues with the company or something. Just think of it: we're you're you're taking that bitterness out of them by assigning them to be the adversary, and then when things are decided, oh. it comes it comes out. Uh, uh, clearer to the team. This is mm-hmm. this is the best option, or this is the way we want to go. Oh, I like that. That get back to employee engagement, right? Exactly at, at a very deep level, because now it's okay to speak out 
Right. And it's, point out that the emperor has no clothes in, in yeah, a sense. Exactly. Well, you know, the meeting after the meeting. Hey, did you hear what yeah. Dennis said in there? Um, no, it's already been addressed, probably. Or yeah. that feeling has been expressed. And and mm-hmm. we we in, uh, in leadership, traditionally, we haven't looked at that feeling that that a uh, emotional intelligence uh, that we're looking for, uh, you know, your emotional quotient. Uh, we well, always and- look at data, you know. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And data isn't going to show um, employee disengagement or that quiet quitting. It's not going to show. It'll show yeah. up indirectly in absenteeism, turnover, things like that. But it's not going to show its face in raw data where it's obvious, oh, we've got some quiet quitters or we've got some people right. that are just uh, energy vampires is, is what we refer to in our training. And it, yes, I like that energy vampires. Wow. Well, you know, they they, they come into the room so true. and they literally suck the energy out of it. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and you can feel it. Yeah, it's like you have it. a team meeting and one person yeah. comes in, you can just feel everybody kind of go, oh, no. Yeah, that's why in every meeting there should be some sort of status check. You know, hey, mm-hmm. how you, what's, what's on your mind today? Well, Joe over here has got two parents in long-term care. That's affecting mm. his job, whether we want to, yeah. we whether we want to uh, admit it or not, you know. Or Joanne's got three kids in college, and she's struggling making the payments. That's going to affect her job. We need to be aware of it. We don't need to know all the details. You know, one son's on drugs, and the other one's not studying, and one of them is not attending classes. We don't know the details. We just know that trying to get those three kids through Scott, uh, college or through a trade school or something is affecting her. And then someone like me rolls in and says, okay, we're going to shake up what you're doing. Cause we're going to do a process improvement. And then they're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, no, if you can help them or at least acknowledge it once they get their mm-hmm. problem cleared up or uh, they're going to feel obligated to the team because they helped them or her. And, and now, uh, they're going to jump in to help somebody else, you mm-hmm. know, pay it forward type thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. How sets do you create a positive? Mm, yes. The create the atmosphere, which has a, a positive vortex as opposed to a, a doom yeah. loop, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. I, I wanted to come back to, to, to what I um, derailed you from a, a little bit ago <laughs> when we were talking about, well, how you, how your perspective shifted as your responsibilities grew, the size of the teams you led grew. And you were talking about how you built the relate, you focused on building relationships. Right. Through, throughout those, those, uh, those uh, steps to larger responsibilities, which then enabled you to do, to be much more effective in, in broader leadership roles. Cause right. you see, it, it, you see, I've seen entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, really struggle with how, what they need to do changes as they go from like five or 10 employees to 50 to 500. Yeah. The way I like to express it is, um, I, I, and I'll ask him this. I said, I'll say something along the lines of uh, um, your leadership is working perfectly for the results that you're getting right now. If you don't like those results, the first place to look at is at your leadership. And the second place to look at is what am I doing to improve that uh, leadership? Uh, and don't look at it as a cost in time or money. Look at it as an investment and in, uh, helping you inspire your team to the, to that next level of a 
performance that you're looking at. And it's got, it, it, there is a cost involved, but look at it as, as an investment. And you're, as you develop your leadership and start inspiring people, there's no column on a financial statement that says, oh, uh, Dennis and Jeff got them to do this. And it's, it, it's going to appear a little bit indirectly in, in absenteeism and turnover costs and, and, and retraining costs. Mm -hmm. you know, they say it takes a year and a half to replace somebody to get mm. them up to the same level of the person that's leaving. A year and a half. That's my that's gosh. A statistic. Yeah. My and, gosh. Um, well, after all of the expense of finding that person to begin with. So that's right, really, right. that's a major investment. I, uh, I interviewed, not the name drop, but I interviewed uh, Brad Smith, the uh, uh, retired CEO of uh, Intuit, the, mm -hmm. the uh, tax TurboTax and all those guys. Yes, and one yes. of the things he insisted on was that they always have an exit interview with somebody and they would literally tell them, Dennis, you're welcome to come back anytime. Then think about how powerful that is. Yeah. You go away, find out that grass is not greener. Now you come back, you're familiar with the culture, maybe even still up to speed with everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And you've rededicated yourself uh, because you've experienced something else, you've rededicated yourself to the company, and I said, mm. I, I love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that as a great story to, to uh, people. Those exit interviews are are very important. Obviously, if you lie, cheat, or steal, well, yeah, yeah. hasta la vista, baby. That, but, that's uh, that's a different, yeah, yeah different yeah, situation, that's right? Completely different. But if you're just <laughs> leaving because, you know, you're not, why why are you leaving? Well, I didn't feel like I had a purpose here, or I found this new uh, startup that has really got me excited. Well, maybe mm -hmm. it bombs and they come back, you know. Welcome back. Instead of, well, trader, you know, uh, yeah. don't even bother coming back. We don't want to see you anymore. It, it's yeah. it, it's still inner relationships that you're you're working with there. And it's so uh, it leaves the door open to bringing that that learning back into the organization because right. they could go to a startup and it, and it explodes. And yeah. they still end up coming back on some, you know, you never know how the career path's going going to yeah. work out. Yeah, yeah it's, like uh, it's it it uh, it's a it was an astounding uh, statement. I, I I know that other he's not the origin of it. There's other people who use it, and people have said, "Oh yeah, we we did the we did that at our company too, something similar." But I still thought it's worth repeating to people. Mm -hmm. Don't punish them because they're leaving. Find out why they're leaving. You know, what are you doing wrong? What is it that you can do better? Uh, you know, it, it's that type of stuff that uh, you, you've got to get those uh, managers and leaders to realize or even the senior leadership. Yeah, but if I ask a question like that, somebody might tell me something I really don't want to hear. That, that's kind of dangerous. Well, I really don't want to hear like, um, you know, uh, I don't like working for you. Why? Well, no, yeah, Why? you know, some ugly truth about the organization, or something that that as a as a leader, if it's one of my employees, that it as a as a you know as their bosses as a leader of their organization, they'll they'll give me some feedback that that I'm you know it's like that could leave a mark, that could hurt. Yeah, it could, yeah. Well, think of it as um, I like to say, feedback is a breakfast of champions. Mm, I love that. If you want to, if you want a yes. shortcut, if you want a shortcut to improvement. Ask somebody where you need to improve. Yeah, it's hard. 
But if you've got that speak up culture uh, where that occurs and we don't look at it as, oh, you made this mistake or this, you did this wrong and, and look at it from the standpoint of uh, what'd you learn from that? Mm -hmm. You know, cause as long as the employees got some, our team members got some uh, dedication to the company, all they want to do is be allowed to make a mistake, recover from it, take that lesson and improve. Well, and, and is that necessary to have a really robust competitive organization? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I said, how are you going to be successful if you don't know the problems? When uh, the onboarding process that I experienced at Hughes Aircraft, I mean, this was a while ago. It's, it's painful to say how many years out loud, but <laughs> it was fresh out of college. I, I moved to L.A., uh, my life is completely disrupted. And one of, you know, the first couple of weeks on the job, I still remember they assigned me a mentor as part of the onboarding process. And one of the things that they had, one of their mantras that they had that they taught all the newbies was if you're right 40% of the time, you're a hero. If you, if you're right 60% of the time you walk on water. Exactly. And you know, you, you're not going to have a perfect season, right? Yeah. Right. Well, who was it? The, the multi-million dollar baseball players only hit three out of 10 yeah. batting. Yeah, 300. Exactly. I, I have a, I actually have a slide in my slide deck that I occasionally pull up and it shows uh, uh, 10 questions. And it, say, it says things like uh, uh, single grounded out. And then, you know, it ends up being uh, the grade in, in red ink at the top is three out of 10 a plus because you know, they got, they've got to learn how to deal with failure and move forward, mm -hmm. learn baseball. Mm. Brutal. By the way, so that, I, that, uh, I've been coaching uh, baseball at the high school here locally for the last 10 years. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. I use that quite a bit. Yeah. Well, sports, there's a lot that comes from, you know, a lot of learning that can come yeah. from sports. Yeah. It, and I, the, the, um, I want to come back to the over overcoming setbacks. Okay. And, and and talk about that, but on when we measure something that's, that's come up a few times when you were talking about, it doesn't really show up in the, you know, a lot of the things that are really important from a leadership standpoint won't necessarily show up directly in things that we can measure. Do, do we put a lot of time, a lot of effort into measuring the wrong things because they're convenient or, or just, you know, not yeah. paying attention we, to the right things to be effect more effective as leaders. Really, uh, we we really do. The the tendency is this, uh, you know, throw out a metric, throw out uh, something you want to accomplish, uh, maybe a standard or whatever, and and if you don't meet that, to point it out, and that's um, kind of management by uh, uh, by exception. Whereas think about it this way. Well, here was the metric. Uh, you needed to be, make this sales goal, and you came up short. Let's look at why, because next next quarter we want you to to uh, meet or exceed that that same metric. Why didn't you? What are some things that we can learn that you could have done differently or should have done and didn't know about? Um, it, it, it you, you got to have a thick skin mm -hmm. if you're going to improve. And I think that's what sports teaches us. It teaches you how to fail and recover. Because I don't know anybody that's been in sports that has a, you know, a perfect score or a perfect uh, uh, all the time. You know, they may occasionally get yeah. an Olympian that gets a ten or whatever. What's I guess it's a 
uh, an eight or seven, something like that. Now there's a perfect score, but um, there's very, that happens once or twice, but most of the time you're going to be a little bit short. Yes. So and, and, the diff- and the difference can be between getting the gold medal and the silver medal can be measured in, in such minute changes right. Yeah, that most of the rest of us wouldn't, it's why they're Olympians. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're running a race, and it's yeah. ten thousandths yeah. of a second or hundredths of a second that makes the well, difference. Well, think about think about this uh, that uh, Olympic uh, uh, competitor that I that I spoke with at, at the Air Force Academy, Ruben was Gonzalez. A, yeah, was yes. a luge was a luge racer, and he's I've always only- been fascinated by that because it is such an insane sport. If, as you're just. Real quickly, as you're watching this, if you have not seen an Olympic luge, yeah. After after uh, Dennis wraps up tonight, go t- go look at it on YouTube because it is basically throwing your body on two. Uh, it's like taking the bottoms off of two yeah. pairs of, of ice skates yeah. and hanging on to those at 90 miles an hour going down a mountain. And just the slightest movement of your body mm-hmm. changes things. And and he he's the only guy that is only Olympian that's competed in four different decades. So he's an amazing guy and, and really an excellent speaker. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to talk to him about uh, what, um, how he trained for it. And he, he said, you, you start training, you're going to crash. Even when you're an expert at it, even when you're an Olympic mm-hmm. uh, competitor, you're going to crash, wow. you know, and F- failure writ large and, in order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. To get just to get into the game, oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. But as as a as a leader on on the the issue of, of allowing people to fail, as a leader, aren't I risking anarchy? Does it reflect on me as being a poor leader if there's that much you know that much chaotic activity going on? And, and how do I keep the business from failing Go if on. I'm not keeping things you know just so? It goes back to my Air Force instructing days and my uh, uh, instructing. Um, with Alaska Airlines, uh, no pilot flies a perfect flight. And there's always something that you could have improved. There's a thousand ways of doing something right and only one or two or three or four of doing it wrong. But there's better ways. So we're always striving to find those better ways by holding a, a, a an after action, so a post-mission uh, debrief, a uh, uh, simulator tri- uh, checkride debrief. Why, you know, look at it this way, look at it that way. Allow them to make the mistakes um, that that eventually they're minute uh, mistakes rather than, than big dis- mistakes. There's mm-hmm. no way when I started out uh, flying that I would have been an Air Force pilot uh, or Air Force captain or or uh, uh, airline pilot flying the left seat. I mean, it takes, takes years to get to that point because we've eliminated the big mistakes. Now we're just tweaking, trying to make it smoother, trying to make it more efficient. Yeah. And occasionally um, you, you some, some situation we dream up in a simulator or something like that, maybe it'll catch you. And, uh, but think about it. I'd rather mm-hmm. it happen there and learn from it than, you know, happening in the air uh, where, you know, it's not like you can pull over to the side of the road and go, Hey, there's a rest stop up here. Let, we'll take care of the problem up here. Yeah, let's stop and change the engine real quick, or we need to fix the tire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I've heard I've heard stand-up comedians, you know, do 
do skits and jokes along the lines yeah. of, you know, yeah. it's like the captain comes on and goes, hey, ladies and gentlemen, if you look out the left window, you'll see, you know, the number two engine's on fire, but nothing really <laughs> to work out. If you look out the right window while we're fixing that, it's just yeah, unflappable. Yeah. And again, the you know, the power of preparation and also the perspective of what is the role, right. you know, the, the, the proper role in, in well, the that, left seat. And you, you never, uh, even in business, you never stop trying to make it the improvement, never yeah. stop. It's it's the Japanese adage, fall down seven times, get up eight, because we're just going to keep going. And successful people, <clears throat> for the most part, have more failures that have happened in their life than the successes. It's kind of one that, of the dirty little secrets, isn't it, in, yeah. of high performers? Yeah, yeah talk to Ruben <laughs> Gonzalez, ask him how many times he's crashed oh on the Lucia, of course, you know, on the, uh, oh not, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's, he tells some great stories. He does. He does. And, and from one of the threads, I want to, I want to get to, um, you know, overcoming setbacks next before that. Um, one of the things that, that I'm hearing in our conversation is as leaders, a lot of times it, it's having the, the right perspective, the right mindset about what does that really mean to be in a leadership mm -hmm. role? And there's been a lot of misconceptions in, in, in perhaps unhelpful teaching around that. Yeah, right. Well, it's not, I, I, you can't look at it as, okay, now I'm the end all be all, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause all that does is encourage team members to do exactly what's in their uh, job description and nothing more. And at, you know, five Oh one in the afternoon, you're not going to see them. They're gone. You know, so um, it, 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 it does have to do with your, your positive leadership and how those inner relationships you built uh, create that culture. Because as the, like I said earlier, the, a leader is the single biggest influencer to culture and performance. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the reality is now this is I've been wanting to get to this and promise that I would. Um, it, there's always setbacks. It's just the way the world and life works. And it's, it, it seems that from a leadership standpoint, one of the things that we need to do is, is just to accept that and be prepared for, you know, okay, now we're going to respond. Right. There will be a setback. Now that's right. where the leadership really, where someone is in a leadership role really shines or find out, oh, yeah, maybe we got the wrong person in that role. Right. Right. Or didn't prepare that person. Right. Well, and that's the that's the basis of my first book, uh, Takes More Than Heart. I got to a point where at age 56, I'd been flying 35, 40 years and still loved my job. And I'd taken up mountain bike riding and I ended up having a, a heart attack uh, where in the uh, foothills of the Cascade east of uh, Seattle where. Oh, gosh. Uh, so so pretty you're out where there's no. Yeah. And I. No help. You, yeah, I oh don't even gosh. remember. I don't even remember this because two hikers happened upon me unconscious. They they took me to the to the hospital. Uh, they called nine one one, and the EMTs came out. Came up the same hill that I had struggled with, with a hundred pounds of equipment each, and then took me to a hospital a half hour away. On the on the way there, they had to shock me like twenty five times and another twenty times in the ER. I mean, I'm so lucky to be here. But unfortunately, the short, long and short story of it is that was a defining moment. The day before, I flew my last flight, but I didn't know that. I know, you know, I it was 
you're, you're never going to fly again. And that was a crushing blow. And I didn't, you know, Oh my it, gosh. It, yeah. That's the basis of the book. It takes more than heart. I think uh, I sent you some material on it, but uh, you, it's you available sure on Amazon. Uh, changing the journey's challenges into opportunities. And it took a while to recover mm. from that mentally, especially it, um, I, uh, I did went through some pretty bad times there for a while. I didn't know what I, I'm 56 years old. I, it's not like I can start over uh, and launch a new career, but I did find that I could uh, talk leadership and do, do uh, coaching and, and, uh, and, and make a difference there. And that, that got me excited again. Well, and there's such a, there's not, there's a need even better than that. There's a hunger for it. It seems the timing's right to, to be, to be able to step in with the leadership experience that you have and the ability to say, here, let me help you with your leadership journey, right. you know, which you've demonstrated through the leadership roles you had in the military and then also in the airline industry. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's helped me have uh, uh, a totally different perspective that, than well, everybody's got a perspective uh, based on their all their experiences, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, it took a while to realize I still have something to give back, and I, you know whether whether I get paid a bazillion dollars to do it or just barely uh, uh, get by if I can make a difference with whoever I'm coaching or whatever team mm. that I'm uh, working with, uh, yes. it, there's a, there's a lot of satisfaction in that. Yes. It want well, and it seems, especially in the last two years, there's been a lot of opportunity yeah. uh, to help. Yeah. You are a lot of people that need, need yeah, some help. You certainly don't want to be um, that proverbial old guy walking the hallways, you know, talking about his football days and could have, would have, should have been in the, NFL or or Super Bowl, but for the knee injury, you know. Oh, no, that's, the that's character from Married with Children, where the yeah. where the joke, the running joke was, all he ever talked about was his glory days from high school, and he's in his right. mid forties. Why does yeah. why does that have to be the the highlight of your life? High school, uh, find a highlight of your life. That, uh, keep finding that highlight. Make a new highlight. You know, it's a highlight's real, right? It's not right, right. <laughs> Uh, look at uh, look at Jeff Wolf's uh, sizzle reel here. He's done this, 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 and this. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Hey, and let's uh, let's get a Guns N' Roses uh, song in the background that makes it sound cool or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but how how do from those types of setbacks because that happens on a personal level with, as leaders, we experience those in our personal lives, our teams. The people on our teams have those types of, of setbacks, whether it affects them directly, someone in, in, um, you know, in their family, but also the company, you know, gets, gets hit with something changes in the market. You know, one company I've oh, yeah. done some work with, they were struggling because there'd been a technology change. They were the technology leader for a couple of decades and all of a sudden they're struggling to be relevant. Right. I mean, uh, the, 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 it's like, I keep saying it, it, the whole relevancy of being a good leader Mm -hmm. And you said it earlier, you know, 60% and we're going to consider you a great leader, 60% right decisions. Well, it doesn't sound like a great batting average, but think about it this way. 40% of the time I have to admit that I made a mistake on it. And if I can do that, if I, if I've created that culture mm. where I, I can be vulnerable in front of the team and go, yep, I screwed that one up. Here's what I'm going to do from here on, you know, the fall down seven times, get up eight. Here's what I learned. And here's how it, 
uh, it's not going to happen again, or I'm going to uh, 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 ameliorate it uh, to something lesser next time. You know, mm-hmm. it's the whole thing is um, challenges come at us, uh, events. Well, you know, who who could have predicted a pandemic? And there's going to be an outcome. Yeah. What yeah. you do as a leader to uh, to uh, alter, change, or affect that outcome. Um, makes a big difference. If you do nothing, there's still going to be an outcome. And if you do nothing, negativity will fill that gap, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So put that positive leadership in there. No, have some tools, some skills to to uh, and and the uh, personality to accept challenges and accept uh, being told no, that's not right. You know, uh, to to uh, to improve. It's it's all part of a a continuous improvement process for you personally, you know, it's it's something that came up in a conversation recently, you know, the, the, how from a leadership perspective, we're so, you know, there's so much focus on us and what's going on internally and and, and who we are as people and how we're growing because that's so, so fundamental to leadership is it all flows from, you know, if I'm not working on, being better with people and yeah, technical skills are important. It's kind of the price of entry. We're really in, in the leadership journey. It's about us on a very personal level to develop. Is that a proper perspective in order to be more effective as a leader? Yeah. I I think it's a great uh, perspective. It's, it's really boils down to teaching yourself how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations because it's Mm. not comfortable to be a leader. I mean, if you're satisfied with what you're doing as a leader, then you've kind of, you're kind of sitting on your laurels and you're not moving forward. Um, so teach yourself how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations because that's what business is about, that roiling, boiling pot of water. There's nothing we can do about it, that, the volatility, the competition, the uncertainty. But, and this is my tagline, you can be that coffee bean that enters that water and starts changing that water fundamentally. And if I can get some other people on the team to be coffee beans, now we got a chance of making some gourmet coffee out of this. So uh, leaders, leaders are creating leaders uh, and to create that culture that connects with the, uh, with the vision or the mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what that's, this is where I fit in and this is what we're doing. And you just repeat this is this is what you're doing, and this is how you're con- you're contributing to it. You have a purpose, you know. You're essential well, to this team. If you're not, we need to we need to go different directions here, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's also the effect of, and this was something that that I, was a turning point in how I viewed what I was doing professionally. You know, I, I had a, a leadership role with a team. It was, it was a problem solving oriented situation but i'm sitting there looking around the room and going because i knew all the people in the room yeah. and it's like i was the elite i was the least i you know pretty much the least iq least everything that i could <laughs> list out from these yeah. other people magnified by the imposter syndrome but the, yeah. the reality was i'm going man you know how did i get in a situation and they're like turning and looking at me and going okay now it's go time yeah and so as, as leaders, especially in business, we, we need to be able to surround ourselves with people that are way smarter and way better 
at least in you know in the things that we need them to do but th the broader that that is true for them the stronger our companies will be but man that is talk about know. being uncomfortable you know because it raises that question going what with a hotshot team like this what why am i here what am i really bringing to the table yeah i think jack welts the ge guy said something along the lines or or i think i don't know if i'm quoting him or somebody else but it, it's if if you're in a room full of uh people that you're smarter than you need to get a different room get, surround yourself surround yourself with smarter people than you and, and it'll it will inspire you to be better but it, it you're you're absorbing things from them you're you're yeah. you're, you're using their talents you're um you know you're inspiring them you know and that's that's an uncomfortable situation uh if you think everybody's smarter than you but that's a good place to be because you're going to learn and you're going to move forward and you're going to get better. Yes. When it's coming from that perspective of th there's, there's actual data on that. It's not just an, it's not an emotional flaw. Right. On my yeah. part. Cause you touched on, on uh, imposter syndrome earlier, which right. I think is, is that that's yeah, I when think it's, everybody's going to different... suffer that at some time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's excellent. I'm watching the time. Can, yeah, we, can you stay for a few more minutes? Can, can we go an extra yeah, 10 minutes? I, I was looking at the time. I was going, whoa. We're it's really going fast. We're just barely scratching the surface because yeah. I wanted to ask if you could if you could share some more about your second book. Because you touched on your first one. It takes more than hard. Could the second book is uh, is actually um, an Amazon bestseller. It's a oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. It's a collaborative book. It's uh, Engaging Speakers, Voices of Truth. Um, there's 24 chapters in it, um, and it's basically origin stories uh, of all 24 uh, of the uh, writers. And I mm -hmm. have one chapter in it, and it was it was uh, it was actually a fun one to do. I'm, I'm working on my uh, third book. Uh, I haven't decided on an actual uh, uh, title yet, but I, I think mm -hmm. I'm going to try and work be a bean in there um, to to start transforming your team. Uh, to to attract talent, and, but it's connecting the vision or the culture with the vision. And I've been mm -hmm. interviewing, I guess I'm up to about 15 CEOs, uh, the entire gamut from um, uh, Brad Smith and, and my old uh, CEO at Alaska Airlines, uh, mm -hmm. Brad Tilden, to some of the uh, local companies around here that have 40 or 50 uh, employees. And there's a lot of commonality, but there's also... Um, some really refreshing ideas that come from from the whole gamut of people that I've talked to, and that one's been that one's been fun. I haven't uh, I haven't decided exactly how I'm going to organize this. It may be uh, a CEO per chapter with whatever nuggets they came up with. Man, mm -hmm. there are some there are some really cool people that that I've interviewed that have a a lot more knowledge on things than than uh, you would expect from somebody that's, uh, well, we typically look at businessmen uh, and women. We look down our nose at them because uh, they're, uh, you know, all they're money grubbers and they're, they're, um, I, yeah. I, I don't know, whatever all the bad things that we think about. But there's some really sharp people that I've talked to. I, uh, all of them have something to contribute. Well, that was, I uh, heard, heard Bob Metcalf, who was, uh, invented ethernet and, and was founder of, of the company three com and yeah. do an interview. And, and he said, you know, someone asked me what my social, you know, my social 
thing was. And you, you just looked at him and said, well, I don't know. I connected four and a half billion people to the internet. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because, uh, magically are uh, magnificently understated, right? <laughs> right, right. And, and he followed up with, but he goes, one of the challenges we have today is people want to tell me that some people, you know, they want to tell him that that doesn't count because he did it for a profit. Oh, you know, back yeah, to that kind of looking down the nose. It's like, well, you, you can't make it happen if there's not some cash flowing somewhere because right. that's expensive. We can't begrudge him that, you know, yeah. he did connect uh, what, whatever that, what was it? Four and a half billion or three. Yeah, I think at the time of the interview, there was four and a half billion people connected yeah. to the internet and, yeah. and, Without Ethernet, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing right now because yeah, exactly. you know the internet would be raging. I would just have no way to plug into it so that I could could reach out to you because we're in different states. Yeah, <laughs> so, but it, it's um. So I'm looking forward to that book. I was just making a note as you're watching this. You you want to keep in touch with Dennis because that book, if nothing else, that book is going to be absolutely worth every moment and every penny you invest in getting a copy. Yeah, okay. Thanks two. for the plug. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, no, cause that, that yeah. type of, you know, th that type of conversation always fascinates me because so much more comes out of it as leader to leader. Yeah. And, and it's a, because of the experiences that you've had and the leaders that you're interviewing have had, it's a different conversation. Right. And there's more, there's more of those. I always find that there's more of those. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a great way to look at her. Oh, okay. That shifted my perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were talking about earlier about the the perspective on the actual role that we're playing as leaders and, and what it is that we need to be focused on as opposed to a technical expert. Well, and you know, it goes to uh, um, your, 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 your personality, how you come across, whether you're, you're, you're vulnerable too, and whether you're genuine and authentic and and uh, as transparent as you're allowed to be, uh, you know, there's certain proprietary things that you sure. can't blurt out uh, in front of everybody, but you can let them know. Like uh, I was talking to my wife uh, again; she uh, they, they ended up letting letting somebody go at work, mm. and she just disappeared. They go, why? What, why did she get fired for my own personal thing? So I don't do it. Well, why did she yeah. get fired? N uh, nothing said. At least, you know, um, oh, she didn't follow uh, our uh, company handbook, blah, 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 or something like that, you know. But like I said before, nothing. So what happens? Negativity fills in there. Oh, she must have done something like this. Yeah. Or, or cue you know, the grapevine. I heard, did, I heard she did this. I heard, you know, it's the the water cooler talk that uh, uh, makes it not as transparent as you you need to be. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can't give the official uh, reason or, or the exact incident, but you can say uh, she didn't comply with with uh, yeah. the company handbook in this way. You know. Um, and if you don't, the rumors that start will be way worse than anything, absolutely. you know, whatever that the negativity was. fill in the gap. And um, that that just sucks the energy out of uh, out of the company. And you yeah. lose credibility, you know, quite frankly. So now have you have you been working with companies on these types of issues? Yeah, I have uh, one company in particular that's been or one facet of the company that's been working with uh, uh, healthcare management, health care, senior living facilities they have okay a, a, a serious problem 
with uh, healthcare worker turnover. I, if I can get a 25 cents an hour more over at this other place, I'm going to go over there. Well, why don't you spend a little bit of money on your leadership to inspire your team or on the culture so that they go, you know what, uh, you know, extra $200 a week, I'd rather stay here. Or, you know, uh, yeah, the, the commute's better here, but I, I like the people here. And where, where mm-hmm. does that kind of th- thing show up in a financial statement? You spent some money, but you're retaining your talent. You know, you retain that. You, you want to be that talent magnet that, that, that not only attracts more talent, but keeps the talent that you have. And I think that's one of the things that is coming out with the quiet quitting. You're yeah. not, you're not, you're, they're, they're afraid to change jobs, but you've lost them. Yeah, like I said, 501 in the afternoon, they're gone. You're not going to see them. Um, yeah, I've seen not, it. You know, it's quitting time and you watch yeah. people actually sprint to their cars. Right. They're not going like, to be wow. picking up the napkin off the floor or no. or the or the Dak Prescott uh, uh, taking a plastic bottle and putting it in the trash where it belongs. You know, they're yeah. just going, so, oh, well, somebody else will take care of that. That's what not kind of, my job. What kind of customer service does that, you know, eventually oh, yeah. result in and what yeah. what kind of of quality operations or, you know, excellence in, in right. what the company's doing right. internally. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's timely and powerful. Yeah. It is. So, so is, is that what you're focused on now working with organizations on, on those types of leadership issues? Or? Exactly. Um, the, the, I'm a, a John Gordon, uh, 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 train certified trainer. Uh, okay. he's like, he's like a John Maxwell, Jack Canfield. He's got mm-hmm. this, Power of positive leadership, where I work with teams, uh, it's a it's an all day. Uh, we're not we're we don't call it a workshop um, because as we're more facilitators because the genius is always mm-hmm. in the room. Think of all the experiences that you bring in and perspectives. Yeah. So uh, you're you're more of a facilitator, and you get people actually thinking about it. You know, thinking about how. Do I inspire people to that next level of performance, or how do I retain talent or attract talent? Mm-hmm. Now, this is a great place to work. Or they come in, and the first impression is, "Man, there's a lot of empty cubicles around here," you know. So um, it, it's that's an important uh, important um, um, I, 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 an important principle. To promote sure. Well, because do you, do you want them to walk in and go, oh, there's a lot of empty cubicles here. Did I make a bad choice of being part of this organization? Yeah. Or they walk in and go, oh, room for growth. I better call my friends that are, you know, or, that are uh, high performers like me because there's stuff, you know, there's room for stuff to happen here. Uh, one of the companies I work with or, or uh, talk with, um, uh, their culture is incredible. You, you, when you, when you first walk in, here's this big, huge plaque with their mission statement and their values. And you can't help but be impressed, being impressed by it, because as you walk by it, uh, the employees will typically point it out because they're proud of what they do too. And here it is in front of everybody, every every client uh, for them to see and, and, and to hold them to that standard, you know? Well, it, 
to be able to work for an organization like that, it makes such a difference. Yeah. I, I get you know, to go like, to work at this yeah. place, you know. It's not I have oh gosh, yeah. I was I had, yeah. what's the last minute that I can leave and still get there? Yeah. Exactly. You know, as opposed to I get to go in. So I want to be in a couple of minutes early so I can grab my coffee and say hi to a couple of people before. And we're working we're really on such exciting things here, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we're getting the you know, I'm 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 uh thrilled with the additional skills that you're allowing me to get. I need um uh, I need to get up to speed on this the, on this software, but I can't mm-hmm. find the time for it. Set aside the time and we'll delay some of this other stuff because that's what's going to improve and that's what's going to inspire that that uh, that um, team member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're 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 letting me do some other things here. Eventually, I'll be able to go into this position, or we've mapped out your career path to being a a VP or a, a C suite or, or CEO. You know, you've got yeah. to you've got to uh, do have experience in all these things and and learn all these things along the way. It's not abracadabra. Right. You know, you're you're a leader and now we're going to make you the CEO of a, of 10,000 uh, uh, employees. <laughs> no, but it, it's the you know, it's the you want to be about the, the top ballerina, the top opera singer, the top NFL quarterback. Here's what it takes to get there. Right. Here's what that path looks like. Right. And expect it not to be up. a smooth path. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, someone, I, I listened to somebody that told a story of being in a, an elevator with, uh, Mikhail Brezhnikov. Yeah. And they had a chance. So they're going up to, you know, a number of floors. They had a, you know, a few moments to chat. And one of the things that Brezhnikov did was he kicked off a shoe. Cause you know, everybody, everybody wants to be a hyper, you know, to dance like we do or like I do. And then he kicked off a shoe until they see this. Yeah. You know, and he looked at how beat up his, 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 what was from yeah. all of the all of the practice and all the work that he had to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it you know it it's uh it's one of those things. I, I use the story of uh, uh, I I I've forgotten what town you're in. Uh, um, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Uh, you know, let's say you want to go to Disney World in Orlando. There's three or four different ways. Some of them are shorter. Some of them are longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you keep Disney World in mind. But along the way, just like when you're driving your car, you have to take care of that next 200 feet. And once yep. you take care of that, the next 200 feet and the next and expect a detour or a traffic accident or uh, weather or something like that. Or maybe you have to completely divert or you decide to go a different direction and then go. Now, nah, I think I still want to go to Disneyland. You know, I, it's taking care of that next 100 uh, uh, next 200 feet. Uh, kind of like driving at night with your headlights. You can't see f- further than 200 feet, but you certainly have to take care of that 200 feet, you know? Mm, absolutely. And depending on where you're driving, you got to watch for the deer or the raccoons that are, you know, yeah. lurking yeah, along the, the side of the road that could. The challenges that, 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 that you're going to face, you know? Yeah. So, well, Dennis, we're over time. I appreciate you <laughs> staying longer. It's just, we could go for, we, we probably, Let's talk about doing this again. Okay. Because there's so much more that we could, that we can talk about. Yeah. And, um, you know, as you're watching this, if you want to build an organization and all, if you're watching Wolf's Watch, you're likely an entrepreneur. And do you want to build the kind of organization that 
you know, basically your team will walk across broken glass to get to, to continue to be part of Dennis is yeah, the person exactly. you need to get in touch with to do that because that's what he and his team, you know, that, that's their expertise. Yeah. Like how that. do you develop the leaders? How do you develop? What does that look like? How do you develop the leaders in, in that, in what the, the environment that leads to that? Yeah. Is that yeah, I want to convert, I want to convert them all to uh coffee beans so that, uh, they tr and transform that uh, business into gourmet coffee some way, you know. Yes, absolutely. So, and as you know, we can see down below, reach out to Dennis at babean.net for more on his books, his upcoming book. But also, if you've got a question, you know, we're watching this is Wolf's Watch is 21st Century Television. We're live and interactive, we're watching questions and comments as they come in. If you've got a question, you're watching this on replay, reach out to Dennis. And, and he'll respond back and get your question answered. You can put the question in the comments too. We'll be watching that and make sure that, that it gets to Dennis so that he can answer your question for you. There's so much more. And this is a time where, where, you know, business has always been about relationships. The last two and a half years has put a super fine point on that. Yeah. I would love to reach out and talk about how uh, my power of positive leadership uh, training can help your, uh, help your team. I would love that. Or even your one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'll, I can do that to help you out too. Huh? Yeah, and, make, and it's very hands-on. It's very hands-on too. Yes. You know, sometimes yes, I hear hear that the power of positive something. That's not a woo-woo statement. If, if you don't mind me using the woo, it, it's no. it's very hands-on. It's very practical uh, things that you can apply and do that create that kind of environment. That Certainly exactly. makes leading the business a lot more fun and makes it a lot a lot more enjoyable experience. I worked for a vice worked with a vice president of operations that we're sitting across the desk from him. We're talking about a morale problem. We're in the process of laying off people again, and, uh, and he looks at me and goes, "They're not supposed to enjoy it. That's why it's called work." Oh no! I was like, <laughs> no, "Not when you spend really? the time you do on it." Yeah, at the time that you need everybody to step up because the company's having some trouble you know struggling and um you don't want to become that guy nope. or that gal as you're watching this so dennis is the person you need to reach out to not do that and to create the kind of environment that people want to be part of absolutely yeah well i certainly enjoyed the opportunity to talk here i know we went way over uh and i hope that that uh, uh your viewers and your listeners uh got something out of it if i made a difference today it was well worth it well i tell you what dennis i've got some notes here as you're watching this you should have some notes by this point as well go take action on them speaking of which dennis if you've got just a couple more minutes for a quick after action review when when we're finished okay absolutely yeah, I'll and because this is something as you you just watched this whole thing with dennis and i and dennis talked about that you know doing reviews doing after action reports is something that we practice as well i've been mentored and coached on that and it's something you should be doing. Dennis, thank you so much. I appreciate the extra time. Thank you as you're watching this for, you know, smash that like button, yeah. add in the comments, ask questions. We'll, we, you know, we'll still be responding afterwards, after the show, after the live portion of the show is over. And um, this has been Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf, and I will see you on the trail. Take care.